I'm kind of in shock right now. Like, I'm sure it'll soak in a couple hours, probably in the evening, but like right now it's just like, I, I, life doesn't really feel real right now, and like, I don't even know if I'm gonna remember this or if I just black out or not, but I don't know, it's just an incredible honor. I just, I'm just happy for this opportunity. Welcome to episode 246 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. We have a jam-packed episode ready to go as we look at some of the headlines, recap the Canadian Future Showcase, and chat with Intercounty Baseball League champion and Sherwood Park product Scott Gillespie. But first, this weekend marks National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, and we wanted to take a moment to simply pause and reflect on what the day and this whole week has really become. A chance for us to look back, learn from our history, and make the world a better place for the Indigenous communities in our country. Here at Alberta Dugout Stories, we've written about the success of legends like Jimmy Rattlesnake or of the future with the planned upgrades at the ballpark at Louis Bowl Tribe. We've also shared darker moments in our history, like that of Dick Brookins. We know we're just scratching the surface and have many more stories to come. It's the telling of these stories that we hope will help capture the true spirit of truth and reconciliation in Alberta from a baseball perspective. We thank you for sharing your stories and would love to tell more. So if you think there's one to be told, email us at albertadugoutstories at gmail.com. On to the news headlines, and it starts in Major League Baseball. Congratulations to former Edmonton prospects and Okotoks Dogs utility man Cody Funderburk and the Minnesota Twins on clinching a playoff spot. Since being called up this summer, the Southpaw has gone 1-0 with an ERA of just 1 in 9 relief appearances, striking out 13 in 9 innings of work. He's not the only player with connections to this province heading to the MLB postseason so far anyways, as former Okotoks hurler Andrew Kittredge and the Tampa Bay Rays are in, as is former former Medicine Hat Mavericks pitcher Jacob Webb and the Baltimore Orioles. The Atlanta Braves are in as well, albeit without Calgary's Michael Soroka. And the Milwaukee Brewers are also in featuring coach and original Okotoks dog Jim Henderson. It's shaping up to be a fascinating final few days of the regular season, and we're looking forward to talking all about it and the Alberta Connections in future episodes. In the minors, Dogs Academy product and episode 244 guest Jordan Procession was part of the playoff push with Round Rock Express. The Pacific Coast League's second-half champions were unfortunately swept in their best-of-three championship with the Oklahoma City Dodgers. The season has come to an end for the Toronto Blue Jays' AAA team, the Buffalo Bisons, but what a way to finish the year for Vauxhall Academy grad Damiano Palmagiani. He reached base in every game he played for the Bisons after he was promoted from AA New Hampshire. Palmagiani finished his tenure in Buffalo by hitting 284 with four home runs and 22 RBI in 20 games. He's now ranked as the number 18 prospect in the Jays system. Now on to this week's guests, and interestingly, two of the big performers from last week's Canadian Future Showcase happen to be guests on this podcast over the last few episodes. On Saturday, Innisfail native and St. Joseph Academy product Nathan Fluelling smashed 11 round trippers to win the annual Home Run Derby, while Cochrane native and Weber Academy product Simon Baker was named the Showcase MVP. We were fortunate to have former University of Calgary Dinos utility man and current Toronto sports journalist Zach Warden at Rogers Centre, where he filed a few written stories for us, and he also caught up with both Fluelling and Baker after they received their championship belts. Congratulations on winning. Um, how does it feel for you to, to come out here at Rogers Centre, big week in front of a lot of, you know, scouts, uh, coaches, and, and perform like that? You know, it feels great. I mean, like, obviously I'm kind of in shock right now. Like, I'm sure it'll soak in a couple hours, probably in the evening, but, like, right now it's just, like, I, I, life doesn't really feel real right now, and, like, I don't even know if I'm going to remember this or if I just black out or not, but... 
I don't know, it's just an incredible honor. I just, I'm just happy for this opportunity. Yeah, and just, just overall the week as a whole, what does it mean to you to, to be here in Toronto at the Rogers well, Centre? It means everything to me being like, honoured to be part of this like 175 players in Canada and be considered one of the top kids and being selected for this. Just It just doesn't feel real right now. It's just one of those moments that, like, one of the moments the, the game gives you, you know, it's just like... It's just like one of those times that just makes you realize why you love the game and why you keep playing every day. How tired are the arms feeling? I am very tired. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't really breathe after I was that mixed with all the adrenaline and my, my blood was just pumping, so I don't know, I feel good, but I'll probably be tired today. I know you said you might feel like blacking out, but how did it feel to get that first home run off your back? Oh, I didn't even know which one went out. You don't even know which ones go out. You just hit it. You think they all go well, then you realize they don't, but I don't know, it just it feels a little moving to get a couple of this, yeah. Where are you putting that hardware? Is that going to make room for that? I'll probably above my bed. Awesome. And then as well for you on, on the scout day to, you know, come out, I know you hit the one off the, the siding up there during the yeah. scout day. Did that kind of help you and prepare you at all for, for this and just kind of give you the, you know, the, the feeling that you can come in and win this? Yeah, it gave me a feel of like, okay, I... I may be like little in some of these guys, but like I still got my abilities to, I have the ability to do it, so I just had to come out and I, I knew I could do it, I just had to do it, and I did. Congratulations on, on the MVP of the tournament overall. What was your kind of approach coming in this week, having been here before and coming off such a strong summer? Yeah, so I came in just looking to do some damage, you know, like nothing, no goals in particular, just, you know, play my game, be aggressive and hit baseballs hard. Yeah, and, and to, you know, be recognized as the MVP, what does that mean to you for such a prestigious tournament? Uh, it means a lot, but um, even if I didn't win MVP, I, w I would still have, have had a great weekend. Um, the MVP is nice to have, but it's not the best feeling in the world because hitting a ball, hitting the ball over guys' heads, that's, that's the best feeling. Yeah, I, I guess kind of, kind of with that too, you know, having like done that this week or this week, how does that show kind of what you are as a player and, and who you want to present yourself as on the field? Yeah, I had a good weekend. Um, that's I feel like I played my best version of baseball that I've played in a while, and it's just lucky that it's been here. I'll, I'll continue to try and play this way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, being here at the Rogers Center, what does it mean to you to, to be invited to an event like this and, and to play the way you did here? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great venue. It's, it's never be, be like, I'll never do something like this again. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's just a, such a pretty sight. To walk into a ballpark like this every morning. Are you are you a Jays fan? Yeah. So so like I mean you're you're being here for the first time this week um, on the field. Um, what was your reaction, kind of walking out and being able to kind of you know feel like a big league? Yeah, it was my first time playing at MLB Stadium. Um, it's it, it hit, hit me hard. Like just imagining the stadium packed with fans playing in front of like whole country behind you was this surreal. And, you know, having, having put together such a, such a strong week here, what do you feel like you can kind of take away from the weekend and take back with you to, to Weber and to, to the junior national team? Yeah, I mean, this is, I've performed against some of the highest competition in Canada, but job's not finished, you know. Go home, get some sleep, go to junior national team, and yeah, continue to ball out. You can hear more about Fluelling's journey in baseball on episode 242, while Baker appeared on episode 243. Now, we heard him asking questions, but let's hear him answer a few. Zach Warden joins us now on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, for a little analysis and a few thoughts following the Canadian Future Showcase. Zach, thanks for taking the time, and welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Joe. 
looking back over the last week or so, any standout performances from your perspective, Alberta or otherwise? Yeah, it was it was a really fun week. I, I think uh, just kind of looking at it, I mean, you can't really say enough about the week that Simon Baker had. It seems like every time he was coming up to the plate, he was he was hitting a ball hard, even whether you know whether he made it on base or not, and uh, was was really causing havoc on the base paths and just really stood out. Obviously, he won the MVP, so that's maybe a little bit of the easy answer to say. But uh, yeah, I think he was he was really great. Um, as as far as some of the other uh, guys, like I think I think all the Alberta. Kids really stood out and had a great week. I know, obviously, after, you know, with Nathan Flewelling willing, uh, winning the home run derby, um, of course, Baker with the MVP. I think it was just a really great week for, for Alberta all around to really shine shine on this stage in, in front of so many scouts and coaches and uh, just be maybe one of the more prominent provinces at, at a tournament where there's, you know, it's just the top Canadian prospects. Um, as, as far as some other guys, I think Keenan Parker was really good. He was, uh, you know, a guy who who I thought hit hit a lot of balls hard. Um, kind of looked like he he was one of the top first basemen at the tournament, one of the top hitters. Um, Landon Kaufman hit a home run on on the last day. There was was really cool to see that. Um, you know, a, a guy like Leo Cote kind of doing it on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, just just a lot of really great performances across the board. I'd say. When I think about, and I kind of mused about this on social a little bit, is. I'll ask your opinion on this, given what you saw over the last few days. Does Alberta punch above its weight when it comes to some of the talent that not only are, are born here, but obviously there's some, Landon Kaufman's an example, who comes from another province, trains at Dogs Academy or Vauxhall, wherever the case may be, and does really, really well. Are we punching above our weight a little bit? Yeah, I would say so. I think you, there's been a pretty drastic change, just obviously you know, Vauxhall and and the dogs have kind of always been there, but just um, seeing, you know, that the other academies popping up, um, I think it's really added some depth to the Alberta baseball scene that um, really helps at, at an event like this, where the the Alberta kids get to come in and, you know, it's not just kind of those, those top, top prospects that come from Alberta, but there's a lot of depth of guys that can come in and succeed at a tournament like this. And it's, um, you know, even if they weren't on the, on the radar coming in. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Nathan Flewelling in that home run derby. How cool was that to watch? We've seen it here in Alberta with the WCBL All-Star game as an example, but that's got to be next level when they're, and pun sort of intended, uh, when you're doing it at Rogers Center. Yeah, it was it was, it was was awesome. You know, it was so funny because on the the scout day at the beginning, he he comes up to the plate and, and you know, he's, he's sitting around a BP, of course, with his wood bat and he hits one. It was probably the biggest home run of of the the scout day, and it goes off. You know, they have the the different levels, and they have the Schneider's porch, and it goes off the facing in front of that. And I was kind of like, oh man, who hit that? And of course, I look up, and it's him. And so, you know, he's he's coming in for the home run derby, and and I'm standing there on the field, and I'm talking to some of the uh, other media members. I'm like, man, I just feel like he's going to win this. You know, I I think he's uh, after seeing that one home run, I made that that uh, grand declaration, but. For uh, you know, it was it was really awesome to see. He was he was one of the guys that you know not only did he hit, of course, the most home runs, but his home runs were going way over the fence, way up into kind of the second level area, and not a lot of the guys who were hitting were, were really doing that. So I, I think it was really impressive just to see him, you know, kind of set the stage early in the week and then follow up on on that in 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 the, the derby. You mentioned Simon Baker as well being the the showcase MVP. When you think back on that performance, what really stood out to you more than anything else is being a baseball guy, as a guy who's played the game before. What made him really turn it up? I think he I think he looked really comfortable at the plate. I think 
you know, in, in events like this, sometimes kids can be a little nervous. And obviously it was his second time there. But I think just him, you know, being in there against some of the top pitchers in the country, some of the best, uh, hardest throwers. And he just looked so comfortable at the plate. It didn't look like he was nervous at all. Um, it looked like he he knew he was one of the better players there. And he was just in the box, um, super comfortable. And it it just didn't look like anything faced him. You know, obviously it kind of sucks that he got he got hit just below the ribs in the the uh prospect game at the end there and kind of forced him to come out so we didn't get to see him finish off the the tournament that way but i i think yeah he just he just looked really comfortable at the plate like it looked like he stuck to his plan the entire time and uh yeah just kind of took advantage of of whatever he was getting in the box or, or on the base paths one guy that i wrote about right before the tournament as part of the the preview was brett Getz from Vauxhall and three scoreless innings of pitching that's not a bad run when you've got some of the best hitters in the country going up against you no, he was he was great too. I you know I think the the pitching is it's so interesting because you know the guys they come in and it it's kind of you know it, there's there's a lot of velocity going on there. But I think it's really impressive when the guys come in and they, and they really do show off the control, not really working in that many walks. And you know he's kind of one of those guys where he comes in and had had that control compared to, you know, some of the guys who are, who are of course trying to pump it up for, for the radars. Of course, every, you know, Roger center, there's the velocity <laughs> posted everywhere. There's the, you know, the big uh, pitch velo, the movement, the everything. And, and it seemed like he was one of those guys that was just kind of in there just doing his thing and not really too worried about uh, all the extra stuff of, of the major league stadium. Obviously an opportunity for these guys to showcase their talent. Another piece of it is, the personality side as well. You probably had a chance to chat with a few on and off record. I know you did a couple of pieces with the Eric's from Oak Tokes uh, for us. Talk us through some of the personalities and, and what you noticed about, you know, the 175 guys who are making their way through uh, Rogers Center over the last few days. Yeah. You know, the thing that actually stands out to me most from the tournament was, was actually like the, the first five minutes that I'm there and uh, the te- team, team Navy, I believe it was there. It was kind of a group of the team put together of, of the most uh, the younger guys that are all at the tournament and they're running out to do their stretching and they're running out to center field. And you can see when they get to center field there, they get to the center field wall, just how excited they all are. They kind of stop and they're all looking around um, just kind of taking it all in. And I thought it was really cool to to talk to some of the guys and, you know, learn about you know if they're Jays fans or um just what it means to them to be playing on the field and how excited that they were to get this this major league experience and you know talking about the Eric's who were both there last year in Ottawa and you know of, of course it's a great experience and it, it's really cool to, to be able to play in, in a showcase like that but you know I, I hate to use this but this year's tournament was maybe just a little bit more uh, <laughs> next next level there we're actually doing a test to see how many times you can mention next level in the yeah. course of this conversation. <laughs> uh, obviously, the, there's a player perspective, but also the coaching and then the scouting recruiting perspective as well. Did you get a sense as to the buzz around Rogers Center when it came to what their reaction was as they're watching the top Canadian talent go at it? Yeah, I actually I got to talk with uh, Corey Lafreniere, the Blue Jays manager of amateur scouting, and I was kind of talking to him about you know, what, uh, what they, what they really look for in the tournament and what he, you know, kind of, or how, how aware they are of every guy coming in. And, you know, of, of course they're, they, they, you know, have, have their, their lists as to what they're looking for. And he was just kind of talking, you know, for us, it's, it's a great opportunity to just get the note, know the players better. You know, we, we have our, our scouts and we have kind of some notes on all the guys coming in as what they are as players, but it's, it's great for them to be able to see, 
the players and and their attitudes and just be kind of have this close week next to them and and learn a little bit about the guys as they they go throughout the week and be able to to see them see them up close I was reading a great article. I think it was Richard Griffin wrote it saying that the strength of the game here is just next, again, next level. It's really hit another stride here. And the showcase kind of puts it back on the map for a lot of people as well, especially after COVID and and that. What do you think of it as far as the quality of athletes are concerned when it comes to what we're bringing from the Canadian games perspective? Yeah, it's certainly a, a lot different from when I played. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, I, I was there last year in Ottawa as well. And I think even last year, like maybe even more so this year, I was just kind of taken aback at, at how good the level of ball is. It's, um, you know, the pitching's great. The hitters, you know, they're they're in there facing guys who are throwing upper 80s the entire time. And it's it's just no issue to these guys. And, and that just goes for all of them, no matter how old they are. Of course, there's like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds at the tournament. And they're fitting right in with kind of some of these 18-year-old dudes that are about to go play D1. And, you know, just to kind of see that, I think, I think it's super impressive. I think back to when I was like 15 years old and there, there's no way that I would have been able to do something like that. So um, I think just, just having, you know, a tournament like this where these kid, kids all get to come together and one of them said to me, you know, it's, it's like your baseball family grows every single year that you come to a tournament like this. Um, I think it's, it's really cool for them to get that opportunity where, you know, there, there's nothing like this tournament anywhere else in the world. There's not a, you know, a U.S. tournament of the top 170 players. Um, it's it's very, very Canadian, I guess I would say. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's it's a really great experience. And I think it's it's really valuable for, for Canadian baseball, for sure. What do you think the next step is for this tournament? Have you been able to chat with some of the people behind the scenes to go, OK, what do we got to do to up the ante kind of thing going into next year and beyond? Yeah, I, I think they're probably pretty happy like with with where it's at. The um, you know, obviously getting it back at Rogers Center was was the big step this year. I I think just in terms of like the major league experience, like that might be kind of something that they they look at going forward in terms of, you know, how can we maybe make this even more like like a major league experience for all these all these kids. They um it was it, it was really cool. They had on on the flight deck, they had like a players lounge for the entire tournament. And cool. you know, players only, it's where they got all their food, they got the video games, they got the the music playing up there, they got, you know, just this area for the players to hang out. That was really cool for for them to, you know, again, like just kind of hang out with each other and be up there and, and be able to watch the games from from a spot that, you know, a pretty, pretty sweet spot in the stadium. You mentioned that you were a player here in Alberta. You played for the Dinos. Um take us back to 15 year old you could you have ever imagined getting the opportunity to play in something like that and and showcase your skills not at all not at all that would have been uh you know way something i would have never even dreamed of i would say even even for me this week you know i'm kind of down on the field there like uh in the dugouts a little bit i'm like man you know this is this is so cool I, i couldn't imagine what these these kids are like you know getting to to go up to the box and you know i i think i tried to ask like every kid i talked to i'm like you know like when you're on the field, who are you thinking of when you're out there? You know, like, are you, are you thinking of like Bo Bichette, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Like, you know, what what pitcher are you thinking of when when you're on the mound? And I know even like talking to somebody like like Adam Mako a while ago, of course, he's, you know, a guy who played at uh, the the tournament back when he was coming up. And for him, you know, he he, he said to me, he's, he's like, you know, I, I was on the mound. I'm like, oh, my God, David Price just pitched here a couple of weeks ago. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of the stuff like that that makes it such a cool and unique tournament. Oh, and it's been a cool and unique perspective to see you help us out with the stories and more. And looking forward to having you back on the pod just to talk about your overall journey because you've certainly had an interesting one. We'll catch up with you again before too long. But until then, Zach, 
Really appreciate the time. Really appreciate the effort that you put in for us with your stories. And uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate you letting me write. And uh, it was a privilege. And I'm uh, really excited to, to chat further for sure. Our final guest this week is someone we spotlighted in the headlines last week. Sherwood Park's Scott Gillespie can call himself a champion again. The Prairie Baseball Academy product and former Edmonton Prospects hurler started his pro journey in the Frontier League before turning to the Intercounty Baseball League last summer, where he went 2-1 with a 6.87 ERA and four appearances with a well and jackfish. The 6'3", 235-pound right-hander returned this summer to go 1-2 with an identical 6.87 ERA in 15 appearances, including six starts. He found his home in the bullpen midway through the season and helped the Jackfish claim their first ever title over the Barry Baycats. Just before the episode 81 guest packed his bags to come back home last week, we captured a few minutes together to chat about his whirlwind season. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be on again. How does it feel to be an IBL champion? Uh, I haven't quite sunk in yet. Um, you know, this is Canada's top uh, amateur league in, in the nation, and to, to win it is is something that I'll definitely remember forever. It feels pretty pretty surreal at the moment still. It's been a couple of days, but when you look back on it, was there a turning point in that series? Because it felt like Welland was sort of almost an underdog as much as Barry and you matched up pretty well. It still kind of felt like it was it was yours to try to steal away almost. That we go down two nothing after the first two games. Uh, I'd say there were a couple turning points. Um, one of them was definitely the day off after game two. Um, a day off after game two, I think, definitely helped us just mentally reset and remember, like, look, we are the team to beat. We won thirty one games. We won the pennant. Um, this is ours for the taking, and we have home field advantage still, guys. So. Uh, let's just go out and play our game and that's what we did in game three uh that didn't feel like a turning point it felt like our that was our chance to just get back in it uh but definitely the turning point was uh game four we're down 2-1 in the ninth inning in the top of the ninth inning and our catcher carlos martinez steps up to the plate and hits a uh two-run home run with two outs two strikes on him in the top of the ninth to give us a 3-2 lead and we end up holding on to that one for a 3-2 win and tie up the series that it spun it right on its head right there you mentioned that game three it's a 13-1 victory was that i'll call it a statement game from you because if you eke by or lose that's a totally different series in my books yeah i think if we I played really hard in game four, but I think, yeah, it was definitely a statement of, hey, we're not done yet. I, that was our, you poked the wrong bear type of game. You, you know, you uh, they were talking all this smack about us after even game one and even after game two and before the series, they're talking about how they're going to be a pump to beat us. Like, you know, you guys may have won the regular season, but this is, Barry thought it was theirs. And then, yeah, we just, that, that win just told, uh, we told them, you know, like, we're still a team to beat, man. Uh, you know, you poked the wrong bear, you've awoken the beast, and we're here to come for it. You get a couple of uh, squeaky wins in games three and four, or sorry, games four and five. That game six, though, 17-1 final. What's that game like as a player when you're you're almost counting down the minutes, so to speak, until you get to, to hoist a trophy kind of thing? Yeah, it definitely, uh, we had a couple of relievers start counting down after, when, once we got to the seventh, uh, one of... Uh, one of my good friends, Chris Bilotto, he, he pitched the last out of the series and uh, he started counting down at nine and I looked at him, I was like, dude, are you, like, I don't care how big of a lead we have, but don't count down yet. Like, that's, this is way too early. And then he goes, dude, we're up like 14 to one. I think we're good. 
<laughs> so that one was a I, that one was where I started to breathe a little bit easier. But uh, with how good our pitching staff had been and how dominant uh, James Bradwell had been on the bump as a starter, uh, once we scored four in the first, man, it felt like it was like man, we just put up a we. If we allow one to zero runs in these first three innings, I think we've got this thing locked down. So it was definitely a weird moment. You know, you score four in the first inning, and to breathe that easy in an elimination game was it was a little bit, a uh, little bit unnerving, a little I guess for the little bit. And once uh, once we started to add on to the lead, it was it was just countdown time after that. Take us to the final out. What's going through your mind and, and walk us through the dog pile. Do you remember any of it? Because I know there's some who say there's a bit of that blackout moment where you just go crazy. But what was it like from your perspective? Uh, from my perspective, I'm, I'm standing on a bench. I'm, I'm standing at the top step. I'm ready to go. And, you know, the pitch before, it was a really good pitch and he called it a ball. And so we were all ready. We kind of give it that, oh, like that was, come on, just pull the trigger, get that out. Like we were ready to go. But then that next pitch, it was uh, it was right down the middle and uh, right over the plate. So we knew it as soon as it hit the glove that that was that was it. I just remember running out there and uh, I, I was the first one to get to Bilotto there and give him a big hug um, and just start jumping around that dog pile. After that, though, is uh, a little bit of a black moment, like you were saying. I just remember getting up and hugging all a bunch of different guys and you know we're all just screaming like we did it, we did it, like we got it done. It, like it was just. It was a moment that all of us are never for, gonna forget, and uh, to be the to be a guy that's hugging Bilotto like that, who's uh, been in this league for a number of years now, and to finally have his championship and be the guy, one of the original Jackfish members to pitch the last out, was one of the coolest things that I could have been a part of. One of the things that you talk about a lot in those moments is try and take that step back and soak it all in, look at the atmosphere around you, whether you're the road team or the the home team. Did you get that moment at all? And what went through your mind as you're you're thinking back on, hey, we just accomplished something special? Uh, man, just to, it was kind of that same night and then the uh, the next day during our championship celebration at the stadium. So we were in Barry for game six. But uh, our, our fans made it feel like a home game. We had over 200 of our Well and Jackfish fans drive up to Barry for the game to come watch and support. They wanted to see us win it that night. So to, once we start passing around the trophy and we're lifting it up and we see these, all these Jackfish fans still sitting there down the sideline, down the, down the baseline, and, and we're hosting the trophy right in front of them, looking at them and, and seeing that support, it, it, that was kind of that moment of like, wow, like this means this means that much to the city and then the next day we're at the stadium for our championship celebration on sunday and 500 plus people show up for this celebration for our team was just another moment of like wow this is uh this means a lot to the city they they definitely got behind us over these last four years and to win it for them was pretty pretty spectacular what's that meant to you to be able to have that you know, I'll call it the small town feel, but it's certainly a lot of buy-in in the community to to get behind a program like that. Uh, it just it means so much because then you know that you're coming to your home ballpark and people are going to come out and support. I think we averaged about fifteen hundred people a game this year for our home games, which is unheard of in, in our league for sure uh, to lead the league in attendance like that. But then uh, it just goes to show like they, every every fan just knows who you are and knows what the team is trying to do and trying to win so when you're kind of recognized like that and you get to feel like a little tiny local celebrity when they know that you're jackfish players uh it's definitely a, a nice little perk to this uh this job that i get to have and um 
it, it kind of gave it that feel that's that similar feel that I had in uh, Monticello when I played college ball and it was a small town and everyone in that town gets behind school athletics so it was kind of similar to that just maybe amplified a little more and, and that's what made the championship just feel that much more special this is your second year if memory serves me right with Welland and this was a pretty good year for you the numbers wise one and two six eight seven ERA 15 appearances but you really stepped up in the playoffs no runs allowed in three appearances, seven strikeouts in those three innings of work. Uh, how impressed were you with your uh, performance over the course of, of this season? Uh, I was definitely impressed with myself as soon as the second half of the season started. I was struggling at the beginning as a starter, and that's where you see that balloon DRA. Um, I was struggling as a starter, and then uh, our manager, Brian Esri, came up to me before one of the games, and he goes, hey, I'm, I'm going to move you back to the bullpen. Uh, I think you're going to serve a little bit better of a spot there. It's not to bury you and to put you in throwaway games. Like I still see you pitching in these tight games in the regular season, finishing off games in the ninth inning that are non-safe situation where it's still maybe a four or five run lead and you get to go in and kind of slam the door there or even set up our closer in, in tight games in the seventh or eighth inning. So uh, he he said, don't take it as a demotion. And that's definitely what I did was I didn't take it as a demotion. I just said, I, I'm, I'm going to serve the team better somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, it paid off. I mean, I, I found my role. Was it a challenge, though, at all, trying to make that transition? Or, or are you one of those guys who goes, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen because I'm a team guy first? Yeah, I'm, I definitely believe that I'm a team guy first. And so I was like, okay, great, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm gonna do it. to slide into this role as effortlessly and as seamlessly as possible. That, uh, that day-to-day about what you do as a starter in preparation for your next start versus now I'm – now I've got to be ready to go in and uh, have my arm ready for three, four games a week at a time rather than just one. So that was the only little transition I had to make. But once I made it, uh, it, it, it was just effortless once it started moving to the bullpen. And I, I couldn't have asked for a better second half and playoffs of the season with uh, the pitching that I was able to do. Mm-hmm. You look at the numbers and as the season progresses, it certainly got a lot better when it comes to opponent batting average and, and that kind of thing. So what does that set the stage for for you heading into next year and beyond what sort of your expectations or or hopes heading into 2024 well 2024 um first and foremost i mean the the team has expressed their interest that they obviously want me to come back uh and i've told them that i absolutely will be 100 percent be ready to come back here in may uh so i'd love to I think the plan right now is to keep training my keep training my butt off at AHP this off season, and then I can go back in May here to Welland and uh, start out in the bullpen. Uh, I think that's where the role is going to be set for me, and that I that I'm going to tell them like, hey, I think this worked, so let's keep it going. And then from there, just uh, continue to pitch well. If another organization like a Frontier League spot. Uh, uh, it looks it and says they'd like to give me a shot. I'll definitely listen to it. But uh, my focus right now is just coming back to Welland and doing what I can for this team in the city. You mentioned AHP. You're heading back home in the not too distant future here, and you're going to be coaching uh, with the program there. What's Taylor and company meant to you to be able to uh, to keep doing what you're doing? Uh, man, they gave me a new lease on my baseball career. Absolutely. Once I uh, once I came home from the states. And uh, I said I wanted to play one more year, uh, which ended up not happening at Edmonton Collegiate because of 2021 still being canceled out west. But uh, from there, they just they put that faith in me, like, hey, you, you're you're good, and you've got the you've got the stuff to kind of go pro and continue to do baseball after college. So you should continue to train, and uh, you know, just listening to them and 
and bouncing ideas off of them and forming a good friendship with uh, all those guys there, Taylor, Connor, Ethan. Um, it's meant so much to me. And uh, I was really excited when uh, we had started talking about me coming back to be a coach just in a roving spot for right now, but I'm more than excited to work with all these programs uh, that they have to offer with their athletes. And then I get to, you know, still be hanging around and training and I get to be coworkers with those three. It's going to be a pretty awesome moment. How cool is it to be able to give back to the community as well? You're getting to see these young kids going through, through their, their first steps towards going towards, you know, whether it's a high school program or a college program, whatever the case may be, and, and maybe follow in your footsteps. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a highlight that uh, I, I cherish as a coach. I mean, it was it was awesome for me to be a coach at Edmonton Collegiate the one year, and I got to kind of uh, impart my wisdom for pitching onto some of these young, uh, raw, talented players. Um, and I'm excited to do it at the high school level because, like you said, uh, get to kind of help guide them with the with the other HP coaches to see their dreams become a reality and. Uh, it's just about giving back, you know, wanting to wanting to continue to grow the game of baseball in Alberta and the Edmonton area for sure, and showing that we got a lot of talent up here, and we have the coaches that are able to mold them and get them ready for that that spotlight in the U.S. Not just that, you also get the opportunity to whether it's uh, back here at home or even in Welland. I'm sure you probably signed your fair share of baseballs for kids, that kind of thing. What's that meant to you to be able to uh, to have that kind of impact on on a young person's uh, career, life, or or just in the moment? Uh, it's definitely something that uh, you know I don't take for granted. Uh, I think it was something that I definitely didn't quite understand when I was in when I played the Edmonton projects and we were signing stuff for those kids it was a cool moment but you know you kind of go they know me because I'm a hometown kid and so that's nice but they really don't know kind of what's going on with uh, you know the rest of uh, everyone's career but then uh, to come out here and see uh, all these fans that are they know me by name whether I've met them once or met them none before and they know me by name and they they're just excited to see the success that myself and the team has and then to uh just have those autographs and how much it means to their their kids when you sign it for for them and then they get a photo opportunity uh, it started to sink in a little more these past couple of years knowing that uh it's a it's a highlight for them to come to the ballpark and see this level of baseball and get to interact with us after every game one of the things that i'm always fascinated by is the ability of time travel and being able to meet yourself in a past life like let's say for example uh, you were able to go back and meet 13 year old scott would 13 year old scott believe the, the trials, tribulations, the successes, the failures, everything that's led up to the point that you're at now? Oh, man, he definitely would not uh, believe about all the success. He might have an idea. I mean, the 13-year-old Scott had some big dreams about baseball, <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the trials and tribulations, like you said, the, the struggles that can happen, he, he was definitely never anticipated for. So, you know, I'd love to go back and talk to him and just tell him, you know, hey, let's, some bad stuff's going to happen to you in your career. You're going to go through a lot of struggles uh, early in your college career, even in high school. Um, but just keep moving forward. Don't uh, don't panic about anything. Uh, everything all works out in its own sense, and that's uh, that's definitely some wisdom that my parents imparted onto me. My dad's always said, you know, hey, that opportunity may have come and, and you weren't able to get it at that moment, but baseball's always got a funny way of working out, working itself out, and you're going to end up where you need to be in that you're supposed to be in, in, in time. So just never panic, never get too down on yourself and just uh, 
keep moving forward, keep working at it. It certainly worked out well for you, as you can now say you're an IBL champion. Congratulations, Scott. One final question for you. It's one we ask everyone, and I'm curious how your, your answer has changed since the last time we chatted with you. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Oh, it, uh, man, I think the last time I said it means everything, and uh, that's still kind of what it is. This is this is my life, and uh, I would never trade it for anything in the world. Uh and then to, to add on IBL champion on top of that, just to doubles down on that statement, it means everything to me. I would never give this up, and uh, I'll do it again time. Absolutely. Well, really appreciate the catch-up. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat again. Congratulations on the championship. Congrats on all the success, continued success going forward. And thanks so much again for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you again for having me. This is always a blast to come on. Big thanks to Nathan Flewelling, Simon Baker, Zach Warden, and Scott Gillespie for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. Again, I highly recommend heading to albertadugoutstories.com to check out all of Zach's great work from the Canadian Future Showcase. We also want to take a moment right now to thank Bob Elliott, Kevin Glue, Trevor Fitzpatrick, and everyone over at Canadian Baseball Network for also helping us out with coverage from the showcase. Hopefully, Ian and I will be able to make the trek out there next fall. As always, tip of the cap to our Platinum supporters for their continued sponsorships. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been very generous in helping us tell the game stories in our province. For more on our partners and to learn more about sponsoring us in the future, head to albertadugoutstories.com supporters. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.